Welcome to the podcast where we answer the question, that's healthy? This is your host, Hope Brandt. Social media has really done a doozy on our perception of health and wellness, and I want to help set the record straight. Quick fixes and fad diets? Unachievable beauty standards? Extreme fitness challenges that leave you more broken than when you started? I'll pass. Taking ownership of your choices, treating your body and mind with respect, filling your life with things and people that lift you up instead of tear you down. Yeah, that's healthy. And that's exactly what you'll find here. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 13, and this is going to be a problems and solutions episode. So this is kind of going to be a Q&A style, and we're going to go through some of the most common problems that I see working with clients and the solutions that I would give for them. So no fluff. Let's just go ahead and get right into it. This is a question that I get all the time. And this kind of lumps into emotional eating as a whole. But the specific question that I get from a lot of check-ins that I see from my clients is, okay, how do I know if I'm hungry or I'm just bored? What are ways for me to be able to differentiate between actually being hungry and then, you know, just eating out of boredom or out of habit or routine? So, There are a few ways to approach this problem. And first of all, I think being aware of what is physically happening in your body will start to help you differentiate between when you are physically hungry and when you are emotionally hungry, right? Because being bored, that's an emotion. (laughs) Your brain is looking for stimulation in some way, or your brain is looking for relief, in some way, relief from that boredom or from other emotions, relief from sadness, relief from loneliness, relief from stress. You know, these are all types of emotional eating and boredom definitely falls into that category. So looking at what's physically happening in your body, are you experiencing hunger cues? The classic, like, is your stomach rumbling? Is your stomach feeling empty? Are you feeling maybe like slight lightheadedness or like a headache, something that's specific to you, individualized when you know you're feeling hungry? And then practically, let's look at some things. Has it been a long time since you have eaten last? If, you know, you ate breakfast at 7 a.m. before you got to work and it's now 1130 that's a pretty long window between eating something, right? So you probably are legitimately hungry. Your body's asking for fuel. Even if you're simultaneously experiencing (laughs) some unpleasant emotion, maybe you're bored, but you also are legitimately hungry, right? It might not be black and white, cut and dry, you know, either or all the time, but looking at it from a practicality standpoint as well, judging realistically, okay, How long has it been since I've eaten last? And make a call there. Signs that point to emotional hunger, where you're just wanting to munch on something, your brain is asking for that for a release or a distraction. Again, let's look at practically. Has it been just a short period of time since you ate last? A lot of times when I feel this sensation the most, it's like, 
you know, right after I've had a good meal, like a legitimate meal, but like I'm at home for the afternoon and something in the back of my mind is telling me, you know, like you need something to munch on. (laughs) Okay. Do I really, or do I just need to put my effort into an activity that's going to be more stimulating for my brain? Because your brain is asking for fulfillment and to be stimulated. So what can we do to produce that result? And most of the time, we're going to be a lot more stimulated from doing something that requires our entire attention. So not like laying on the couch, watching TV or scrolling our phones. It's going to be more occupied even by doing something just like reading a book or writing something, writing in your journal or writing, you know, creating an Instagram caption, something that requires your full attention. When this happens to me, I like to try to take a walk and brainstorm ideas while I'm out there. And most of the time I come back and I I realize, okay, I wasn't hungry. I was bored (laughs) and my brain needed stimulation. Look at what you're doing and when the last time you ate was, because A telltale sign is like needing or like having the desire to eat something back to back to back to back where no time has passed between your last meal and you're like back in the kitchen. You're like searching for something that's going to fulfill whatever emotional need that it is. But food can't do that, right? It's a happy distraction at best, (laughs) but it cannot fulfill an underlying emotional need, no matter, you know, how intense that thing is or not, right? Boredom, I think, is kind of one of the more shallow needs that can be met through food or that we try to meet through food. But, you know, something, again, like loneliness, sadness, those things absolutely cannot be met through food. And so being able to, again, differentiate between what your brain is actually needing relief from and then finding a way to relieve it that doesn't come back to munching on food. So it's really, again, up to you to know what that looks like for you and how to have some other tools in the toolbox (laughs) to pull out. When your brain is asking for a snack or for a dessert or for a high sugar rewarding food and knowing that, yeah, including those things sometimes is totally fine when it's your conscious decision, not when it's driven by some sort of like overwhelming emotional need. Okay. Question one is complete. I hope that was helpful for, are you hungry or are you, (laughs) are you just bored? So kind of tick through that checklist the next time you're asking yourself that. And then also just take some time to just sit for a second before doing anything. And again, a lot of times we just need to give ourselves pause between our thoughts and our actions and actually decide what it is that we want to do. Next, and this is such an interesting issue that I see so many clients come up with. And I think it stems from this kind of diet culture mentality. But okay, the issue is food FOMO, going out to eat and you're scared to miss out on something. Or it's hard to not partake in whatever everybody else is doing, even though you know 
you might not even really want it or it doesn't align with your goals. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with food FOMO when you're out to eat with a group of people and everybody's getting a pizza and beer or, you know, we're all going um, out for drinks and we're having multiple drinks and then that leads to buying loaded french fries at the bar (laughs) or, you know, whatever it is. How do you cope with uh, wanting to still participate, but not necessarily wanting to do things that are misaligned with your goals? So I think, first of all, it comes down to knowing that you're an adult, right? You are a grown-ass man or woman. You make your own choices. This is not, like, I hate when I hear people say, I can't have that. It's like, can you not? Is someone like holding a gun to your head and like, (laughs) is something bad going to happen if you do? And, you know, sometimes, yeah, if like you're allergic to something, yeah, you probably, but you still can have it actually, right? You should not have it, (laughs) but you still can. Um, It would be very detrimental to you, but no one is there making those choices for you, right? You can do whatever you want to do. So I think approaching it from that mentality first, knowing that you are an adult, you make your own decisions. No one is telling you what you can or cannot do. No one is setting those standards for you. That's your choice. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. So we have that established. Next, I think it comes down to knowing what is worth it and what's not, right? And If everything is worth it all the time, then that essentially means that nothing is actually worth it. (laughs) So we can't be doing all the things all the time and saying that everything is worth it. Not everything is worth it. And I think really taking the time to sit with yourself and have those experiences and be willing to be super, super honest with yourself with what is worth it and what's not worth it. Because when you decide, to take whatever action it is, to eat or drink whatever it is that you're considering. You're also accepting the consequences of eating or drinking that thing, right? Sometimes consequences are good. Eating more fiber helps keep our digestion regular and produces overall positive health outcomes. So when you're eating fiber, you're accepting that consequence. And that's something I think we're all super willing to accept, right? So yay. Making a choice doesn't mean it automatically has poor consequences, but a lot of times when we're deciding whether or not something is worth it, um, we do end up having to accept maybe a less than ideal consequence from eating or drinking whatever it is. And alcohol is the thing that always comes to mind in these cases because there are times when alcohol is super worth it to me. But there are times when it is so obviously not (laughs) worth the consequences. (laughs) So knowing that, yeah, deciding to do something means you also are deciding that you accept the consequences of that action, whatever they may be. So take a second when you're in this situation to just think of your future self, whether that's, you know, you the next morning or you a week from now. And Think about how the choices you're making are impacting how you see yourself in the future, right? I'm going to use the alcohol example again because to me, it's just a very obvious one. 
And it's so normal in our culture to just drink super regularly and just accept the consequences of feeling shitty all the time, which to me is not worth it. (laughs) So this is a clear example where it's worth it to me. My husband and I love to go out for drinks at this place in Tulsa. They have the best espresso martinis. Like I haven't been since um, I've gotten pregnant and through this postpartum period, I haven't been yet. And I'm looking forward to going to this place to getting one of and getting one of their espresso martinis. But that's an occasion where it's worth it to me to accept the consequences of drinking alcohol. Will I probably sleep less or will I get poor quality sleep that night when I drink? Yeah, that's probably going to happen. Will I possibly feel like tired the next day? Yeah, that's probably going to happen. That happens when you drink alcohol. Will I experience cravings for more calorically dense foods after drinking alcohol? Yeah, probably. Those are just some really obvious consequences that immediately come to mind when drinking alcohol. Sometimes I'm willing to accept those consequences when the drink and the occasion is worth it to me. Most of the time, I am not willing to accept those consequences when I'm at home on a random Wednesday night and (laughs) there's a bottle of wine in my house. It's like, no, I'm not willing to accept the consequences of just randomly drinking a couple of glasses of wine and then not sleeping as well, waking up feeling tired, having more cravings the next day. Like, it's just not worth it to me because it's just not. (laughs) So that's what's worth it and not worth it to me. It's up to you to decide what's worth it to you and what's not. Same with food choices. I think a lot of this is being willing to be honest with yourself with what's worth it and what's not. This is a a super realistic example or an obvious example that comes to mind. I know a lot of people who really like Buffalo Wild Wings and, uh, you know, will suggest to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, Whether it's the environment, the beer, the options, I don't know what it is. That's a draw. But I do not personally enjoy Buffalo Wild Wings that much. I don't like the food. I just think it's a letdown almost every time. That's an opportunity for me if I end up in a group going to Buffalo Wild Wings. Okay, I don't really even like their most popular food options, which are like fries, fried wings super greasy food. Okay. So how can I make this work for me and still be able to participate in this moment, but look for an opportunity to make a PEC plate here because their normal options aren't worth it to me anyway. And if I end up eating that, then I'm just going to feel regretful and almost resentful that like I had to partake in this and I didn't even really want it. Knowing that, and then also knowing that like, okay, if you order an appetizer and you take one bite and it's just not good, then you don't have to eat that. You really, really don't. It's okay to change your mind and to decide, you know, in the moment that, you know what, I thought this would be worth it, but it's really not. And then also knowing that having a structure for the majority of your meals actually gives you more wiggle room in the future to enjoy what you want and really, really enjoy it and not 
have that lingering feeling of like, I'm not doing what I said I would do. I'm not concentrating on my nutrition. I'm not changing my eating patterns. Having those thoughts weigh on you is a lot heavier than not having some like subpar burger or like eating experience, right? Because most of the time I find a lot of those things truly aren't worth it anyway. When you find something that is worth it to you, you know. I literally wait every week to have like a huge chocolate chip cookie from one of our favorite coffee shops. And I could eat chocolate chip cookies every day of my life if I wanted to. I could go to Walmart and buy a Toll House pack of cookie dough and bake cookies and eat a cookie sheet of cookies every day if I wanted to. I'm an adult. I have the power to go do that. I have a car. I can go and do that. I have an oven. We can do all of these things whenever we want. It's not worth it to me. They're not as good. I don't have the same experience. So it's worth waiting to do something that's truly worth it to you. The experience is better. You enjoy it more and you get the best of both worlds, right? The majority of the time, you're still doing things that align with your goals. You're still focusing on that overall structure of a balanced and healthful diet. Plus, you do get to enjoy the things that are really, really worth it to you. And then that makes them even better. So that is food, FOMO, and embracing the power of your own choices. You can do anything anytime you want. So no one's making you miss out on something. You get to choose when you partake and when you don't. And then being honest with what's worth it to you and what's not. Okay. This is the next question. How do I eat enough protein throughout the day? (laughs) There's a couple ways to approach this as well, right? Because if you've never tracked protein before or really concentrated on protein, getting over 100 grams of protein can feel pretty overwhelming, right? And I have, I mean, almost, yeah, every single client that I've had has had a goal that's over 100 grams of protein. Protein is super essential and there are so many good things that it does. You know, it's not just for (laughs) building muscles. It helps build your immune system. It has the highest thermic effect of food, which means your body burns more energy digesting protein. So it helps be in a caloric deficit. It helps produce and regulate hunger cues. Protein is so, 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 so important for a variety of reasons, right? It's not just like the bro macronutrient. (laughs) So how do you get enough protein throughout your day? First of all, it's important to look at overall protein intake on your day. When we're looking at the breakdown of our meals and snacks and how much protein they have, it doesn't really matter what the distribution is as long as you're eating enough protein on a daily basis. Like you get to the end of the day and you, you've eaten whatever your protein target is. But when we look at this practically, right, how do we make sure that we're getting enough protein to hit that target? And starting early is super, super helpful for being able to eat enough throughout the day to hit your target by the end of the day. In theory, could you eat 150 grams of protein all at once at dinner? Yeah, maybe someone could. That would be a lot of chicken breast to eat. It's not practical. So we need to look at how to spread that out over the course of the day. So focusing on protein at every single meal and snack. 
I think is essential in being able to hit your protein target. And that's not just like, you know, you're dry scooping protein powder (laughs) at your meals and snacks. It just means to consider what your protein is at all of your meals and snacks. I normally say to get about an open palm size portion of lean protein on your plate for your meals. And then as far as snacks go, again, it doesn't have to be super protein forward, right? I enjoy having my protein bars and protein shakes, but just looking at carbohydrates and fats that have more protein can help increase your numbers on the day as well. So that's kind of like moving into the second part of this strategy. So first part is start early, look at breakfast, snacks, lunch, and dinner, and focus on getting a protein source at all of those. And then secondly, look at boosting your overall intake by choosing carbohydrates and fats that have a higher protein content as well. That might look like swapping like normal white wheat pasta for chickpea pasta or lentil pasta, swapping any like refined grains for the whole grain version, looking at including maybe hummus instead of ranch dressing to dip your vegetables in, right? Because hummus has a little more protein than ranch would. Looking at maybe swapping the milk in your latte for skim milk instead of whole milk. The protein ratio is much higher in skim milk. Looking at, you know, including nuts and seeds in place of something like avocado that has a little, that has less protein, right? So it's never either or. Those swaps don't have to be made 100% of the time, right? Especially if that meal already has a great protein source. But if you're just looking to up your overall intake throughout the day, then making those super easy swaps when looking at your carbohydrates and fats is a really successful way to do that as well. And then thirdly, looking for supplements that you enjoy that enhance your diet, right? So again, this is going back to protein bars, protein shakes, protein powders. Those can easily add 50 grams of protein to your day with such low effort. And to me, that's really worth it a lot of the time. You can absolutely hit your protein target from real food only. And I'm I'm putting real in quotes. <laughs> but you don't have to use supplements if you don't want to and you're hitting your protein target. But I find that the benefits of hitting your protein target outweigh um, the inclusion of you know, some synthetic ingredients. That's my personal choice. There are plenty of, I think really protein powder would be your best option if you're looking at limiting like artificial flavors and colors and ingredients and things like that. Because a lot of protein shakes and protein bars are going to have those things. But when I'm looking at the convenience factor and the benefits of eating enough protein, those things are pretty much hands down worth it to me to include in my diet. So, okay, recap for how do you get enough protein on a daily basis? Number one, start early and focus on protein throughout the day at your meals and snacks. Two, look for subs for carbs and fats that can add more protein. So look to include higher protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And C, look for, okay, I don't know if I was counting one, two, three, or ABC. (laughs) But whatever, the third option or the third strategy is include 
a protein supplement that you really like that you enjoy. I have so much information on protein on my Instagram, but if you're listening to this and you want resources on protein, DM me on Instagram and ask for my protein basics post and I'll send it to you. Okay. All right. Let's get into our next question. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. A lack of motivation. First, I think this starts with the realistic expectation of knowing you will not feel motivated all the time. That's normal. (laughs) That means you're a real human, right? You're not a robot. Um, You're not going to feel motivated all the time. Motivation is a feeling. Feelings come and go. They're like waves in the ocean. Sometimes you're going to be high motivation. Sometimes you're going to be low motivation. That's just life. So I think really embracing that realistic expectation that you're not always going to feel like it. Okay? Really, really embrace that. You're not always going to feel like it. Sometimes the effort is going to feel heavier than other times, right? And that's when we have those minimums, those minimum consistency goals in place to make sure that even when you're super low motivation and you don't have a lot of effort to give, that we're still hitting those minimums. And then sometimes you're going to feel super motivated. And that's when we capitalize on those moments and we get as much done as we can. We push harder when we want to and when we're really feeling it. So that again, our average is equaling a point where we're producing results. It's totally normal that our output is going to vary from day to day. But what we're looking for is to produce an average rate of consistency that produces the results that we want to see. So we're going to capitalize on the moments where we do feel motivated, and then we're going to do the minimum when we don't feel motivated. But doing the minimum doesn't mean doing nothing, (laughs) right? Our minimums are in place because that's the minimum that we can do to still push forward and see the results that we want to see. So It's up to you to establish some minimums that feel really doable for you in your nutrition and in your movement and exercise. For nutrition, I think having daily minimums makes the most sense because we eat multiple times a day. We have lots of opportunities to hit whatever the minimum is. Um, For me, it's 100 grams of protein and having at least a fruit or a vegetable that day which I know (laughs) it seems really low, right? It seems very minimum, but that's the point. It's supposed to be very, very doable and still be moving the needle toward your goals. My goals are overall longevity, general wellness. And right now it's body recomposition and a little bit of weight loss after my pregnancy. So hitting my protein or at least hitting 100 grams of protein helps there. and eating fruits and vegetables is super important for overall health and micronutrient intake. So those are my nutrition minimums. My movement minimums, and I can go back to when I was feeling so terrible during my pregnancy, and it was to weight lift or resistance train two times a week and walk three times a week. Those were my minimums. And those were very doable for me to hit. Now, as I'm out of that period of time and I'm feeling better, we can raise the bar, right? Once you get better, your minimums should go up. So now that I'm feeling better, it's 
resistance train at least four times a week and walk the majority of the days of the week. Um, And most of the time I'm crushing that and I'm doing more than that. I'm working out five days a week and walking every day, basically. It's up to you to know where you are in your life to set doable minimums, but that is the line that you want to toe when you're not feeling motivated. Okay, so to recap, not feeling motivated. First, accept that that is totally normal and that's not a reflection of you or how bad you want your goals or how important your goals are to you. You're never going to feel motivated all the time. Accept that now. Secondly, establish minimums that you know you can uphold on those days where you are not feeling motivated, but make sure that they still toe the line enough that you're moving toward your goals. Um, And then three, when you do feel motivated, capitalize on those times and get shit done. I also have a blog post that if you search, if you just go to Google and search Hopewell Health Motivation blog, it'll come up and it talks all about what to do when you don't feel motivated, how to accept that, and how to still take action despite not feeling motivated. That's a really good read if you want to go online and find that as well. Or also, if you're <laughs> if you're listening to this, shoot me a message on Instagram and tell me you want the, the link to the motivation blog and I'll send it to you. Let's do another one. How do I stay on track on the weekends? And it's so funny because so many of these questions truly just come down to mindset. And this is a really big one because I feel like this is very indicative of an all or nothing mindset, right? Where you're all in during the week, you're on during the week. And then when the weekend hits, you're off and you're going ham off the rails. Ideally, our diet during the weekdays does not look that much different than our diet during the weekends. (laughs) We want to make those things as similar as possible. Friday, Saturday, Sunday are still just normal days of the week, and they count just as much as your weekdays do. I just, realistically, if you are, quote unquote, on track during the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? That's four days. And then the second Friday hits, so like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's three days you're doing whatever you want, you are not going to see results because you are not being consistent enough to produce any type of change. When you're only doing what you are supposed to be doing for half the week and then the weekend, and I know it doesn't feel like half the week, right? And it's not, it's a, it's a full day less. It's still almost equal the amount of time. You're never gonna be able to make progress if you are doing whatever you want on the weekends and just throwing conscious decision-making out the window. So your diet, and what I mean by diet here is just the food you are eating, what you are doing. It should look the same from the week into the weekend. If you're having trouble maintaining that consistency, first, it tells me that we might need to learn how to incorporate some more satisfaction during the week. Your diet should not be miserable. If your diet is miserable, there is a problem. And you need to learn how to incorporate foods that you enjoy and you need to learn how to enjoy your diet. If we're not enjoying it, we're not gonna be able to maintain enough consistency to produce results because it takes time. And if you hate doing something, you're not gonna do that for an extended period of time. So we need to strike that balance between 
having structure and incorporating indulgence. I have a previous podcast that talks about PEC plates to max snacks and the three pillars of a sustainable diet. Go back and listen to that episode because I talk a lot about satisfaction and how to incorporate satisfying foods in a way that is still going to allow you to maintain enough consistencies to hit your goals. So go back and listen to that if you haven't. That's our first thing to look at is our diet should maintain a certain amount of consistency every day of the week. It doesn't matter if it's a weekday or a weekend. So if that's difficult for you and you're getting to the end of the week and you feel like, okay, now's my time to do everything that I wanted to do during the week and eat all the food I I felt like I couldn't have, there's a problem. There needs to be some more structured indulgence worked into your week. The other thing, when we're looking at staying on track on the weekends, several of my clients have found this very helpful, is I don't want you to think about what you're doing in the moment or what your plans are or anything. I want you to think about how you want to feel on Sunday evening when you're gearing up to start your week again. How do you want to be feeling? Do you want to be feeling sluggish and guilty and uh, tired and exhausted because we didn't maintain any of the habits that help us feel our best through the weekend? Or do you want to be feeling successful and re-energized and rejuvenated and ready to start the week because you were able to incorporate things that were super fun and worth it, indulgences to you, while still maintaining your healthy baseline habits? Think about how you want to feel on Sunday evening and then work backwards with what actions have to be taken to produce that end result. Let's move on to our next question. Making a healthy meal when I'm tired. (laughs) And I think this kind of comes back to the motivation thing as well, right? We're not always going to feel it. We're not always going to be like, yeah, I can't wait to go home and cook and make a healthy meal and then clean all my dishes. Like, it's just not going to happen. So what do we do when we get home and we are tired, but we still want to take aligned action and maintain consistency? I'm going to tell you my biggest easy button meal. If you've been around here for a while, you probably already know what I'm going to (laughs) say. If you want an easy button meal, get a rotisserie chicken, get either canned or like a steamable bag of vegetables and then a steamable bag of rice. And boom, literally it's on your table in 10 minutes. And the longest part is just like ripping off a piece of chicken and like heating up the other two elements in the microwave. That is the easiest no-brainer PEC plate in the entire world. Always having things like that on hand, I think, goes a really long way in being able to maintain consistency because we're not always going to be out here doing the most. Sometimes we're out here doing the least. (laughs) And we need to make sure that we have those options on hand and they're really, really easy and low effort so that it doesn't resort to, oh, I'm just going to order out. Oh, I'm just going to go through the drive-thru on the way home. Nope. You have those super easy button meals right at home. And you can put a balanced meal together with almost no time, no effort involved. In my ebook that's linked in my bio, I have a section that's like fridge, pantry, and freezer staples. 
And those are things that I keep on hand almost 24 seven to make sure that I have super quick and easy elements to put together to make a PEC plate. If you don't have that, that is a resource that I would definitely recommend for being able to stock your house with really easy options to make PEC plates when you get home and you are super tired and, you know, we're just not feeling it. That's okay, right? It's totally normal. We're not going to be feeling it all the time. But being prepared for those moments is crucial to then still be able to to do what you need to do. And then uh, lastly, we are looking at hunger cues versus practical nutrition. So I got a question that said, I go long periods without eating because I feel all right. And then I'm absolutely ravenous all of a sudden and I'll eat anything. Should I set reminders for snacking to avoid overeating and then feeling bad? Okay. So again, I think this comes down to being aware of what's going on practically as well as listening to your hunger cues. Hunger cues are super important, but they're not the end-all be-all. They can get jacked up sometimes. Being stressed out or just being super busy and unaware, we can miss our hunger cues or they can be suppressed, right? I think we've all had one of those moments where we felt fine until we didn't. And then it was like, holy shit, I'm going to eat my arm off unless I get food in my mouth in the next five minutes. How do we avoid those moments? First of all, I think being in tune with your body and starting to just become aware of hunger cues, even if they don't feel like the classic stomach rumbling, you're, you're consciously feeling hungry, right? Hunger cues can start much earlier than that. Um, And I think giving yourself the space to be able to recognize those is really important. So one of the first hunger cues that we experience is food-focused thoughts. And this isn't an exact science. If you are chronically like under eating and in a chronic (laughs) caloric deficit, you're probably going to be thinking about food more than the average person. But if we are eating adequately um, and fueling ourselves adequately, when you start thinking about food is when your your body is starting to feel hungry. So if you're just typing away at your computer and doing your work and all of a sudden just some food-focused thoughts start creeping in and it's 10.30 and you don't have lunch until 12.30, that's probably a time to look at assessing, okay, should I eat a snack right now so that I don't go into lunch feeling super, super hungry? Like I'm already starting to think about, oh, what do I have for lunch? Ooh, I could eat part of the lunch that I brought. I could eat the apple that I brought and then just leave the sandwich for lunch or whatever it is. We all know what food-focused thoughts feel like where you're already thinking or planning about your the meal that you're going to have or what you're going to eat. Let's take a moment to assess, okay, how can I make this moment work for me? How can I create a snack right now that's going to tide me over to my next meal? And snacking is not bad. Snacking is a way to add nutrition. Um, and fill the gaps between what your meals may be lacking. And again, I think it's a fantastic place to add additional protein (laughs) and a a really easy way to do that. So I think setting alarms on your phone to physically remind you to think, okay, how am I feeling? Am I feeling any early hunger cues? Am I feeling maybe a little low energy or irritable? Those are all things to look for. Is my stomach feeling like very light and empty or do I truly feel full? Is my breakfast holding me over at this point? And yes, I've had several clients 
actually physically set alarms on their phones to remind them to check in with themselves and ask, okay, do I need a snack? And most of the time it's yes. And guess what? What's the worst that's going to happen if you eat a snack? You might just eat less later (laughs) because you're less hungry, right? I think we think about snacking so backwards, which is like the less that I can eat right now, the less I'll eat overall. And so many times that's not the case. When you continue to put off eating something, you normally eat more. You normally eat more later because you're hungrier than you would have been if you would just manage your hunger throughout the day. Let's stop thinking about snacking that way and start thinking about it as like a preemptive solution to overeating. So yeah, setting an alarm would be a great solution for that if it's hard to remember to take that time to check in with yourself to look for hunger cues. The other thing is practical nutrition, right? We're looking at, okay, how long has it been since my last meal? How long is it going to be until my next meal? Do I need something in that space to make sure that I'm not entering my next meal feeling like I could eat an entire elephant? And I think if it's going to be more than three hours on either side, most people would benefit from a snack within that time period. And it doesn't have to be anything like super fancy. It can be very easy. For me, like a classic snack within that time period would be like a protein bar and a piece of fruit. That's just kind of always my go-to or like a protein yogurt and some berries or an apple and peanut butter, right? These are all kind of easy, classic snacks that are either high protein or high volume that can hold you over, truly hold you over into your next meal. We're not looking for like a hundred calorie snack pack. A hundred calories does nothing (laughs) to diminish your hunger. We're looking for at least like 250 to 300 calories for our snacks. Okay, that's the episode. Thank you so much for your questions. And a lot of these are just pulled from themes that I've seen with coaching my clients. So I am pretty much always taking one-on-one clients. Um, My roster is getting pretty full. So um, if you're interested in that, please either, yeah, email me, DM me on Instagram or go to the link in my Instagram bio and schedule a free initial consultation for one-on-one coaching. Um, I also do individual nutrition consults. If you just have a specific problem that you want my insight on that you want to work through. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode. But wait, (laughs) before you go, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a friend who needs it. And to make sure we stay connected, find me on social media at hopewell underscore health. Or for more information about my nutrition coaching services, check out my website, hopewellhealth.online. And always remember, you are smart, capable, and talented. You have what it takes. I'm just here to educate and encourage you along the way. Catch you next time.